Giving thanks. It's very important. Very important to give thanks. One of the first things we teach our children to say after they've learned no is to say please and to say thank you. To say thank you. Um, giving thanks. You know, it's just a simple word, um, simple phrase. Thank you. But it expresses, it expresses what's in the heart. Of course, the Bible tells us out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And, um, you know, as we raise our children, we are continually reminding them at an early age when someone gives you something, when someone says something kind to you, when someone does something for you, what do you say? And, of course, they catch on pretty quickly. But thank you. Thank you. We need to be thankful. And I was <clears throat> searching through the Scripture, just looking at you know, the words thanksgiving, thanks, and seeing what the Bible had to say about thankfulness. And I just wanted to, by way of introduction, bring a few of these things to mind. What are things that we do that are accompanied by thanksgiving? You ever think of that? What things are we to do accompanied by thanksgiving? Well, of course, if we look at what the Scripture says, in general, in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, it says, In everything give thanks. You say, well, that's kind of broad. Uh, you know, can you be a little more specific? Well, I think the Bible is being specific. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. But, you know, if that verse is just a little bit too broad for you, we can really narrow it down because Paul, in Colossians chapter 3, and in verse 17, said pretty much the same thing. But in Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, Paul says this, And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Wow. Well, there it is. Whatever you do, in word, whatever you say, and in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. That's quite a statement. When you really sit down and meditate on that verse, whatsoever you do, whatever you say, every word you say, every deed you do, you do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Is everything you do worthy of that name? Is every word you say worthy of that name? And is it all accompanied with thanksgiving? Now, that's pretty straightforward. And what's really interesting is just look what he says in the next verse. I didn't end the thought. He's making application. Whatsoever you do in word and deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Wives, Give thanks, submitting to your husbands. What? Yes. The next verse, husbands, give thanks, loving your wives. Children, give thanks, obeying your parents. Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is to accompany everything that we do in our lives. 
Colossians chapter 1, earlier in this book, Paul gives thanks to the Lord. Colossians chapter 1, beginning at verse 12 and going through 14. Look at the things for which he gives thanks. He says here, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Listen, are you thankful for your inheritance? A lot of you haven't received yet. It's yet to come, but are you thankful? Look at that inheritance. That's quite an inheritance. We are partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. But what else is he thankful for? Giving thanks unto the Father who hath delivered us from the power of darkness. How many of you kids are afraid of the dark? (laughs) Now he says, giving thanks to the Father who hath delivered us from the power of what? Of darkness. Of course, there he's talking about spiritual darkness, spiritual blindness. Are you thankful that you're not walking around blind? You just think about physical blindness. What a blessing it is to have sight. You know, a, a blind person has to remember where he put everything. A blind person has to be careful where everything is. It doesn't get moved. A blind person has a lot of limitations because he cannot see. And you think about before you were saved, think of the limitations we have. We don't even know the condition we're in because we're spiritually blind. And what does God do? He delivers us, delivers us from the power of darkness and hath translated us or transported us into what? Into the kingdom of his dear son. We've been removed from darkness and placed into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Well, he doesn't quit there. He says, in whom, speaking of Christ, his dear son, in whom we have what? Redemption. Redemption through his blood. Are you thankful for that? You think about that. Redemption is one thing, but how were we redeemed? It says through his blood. That is quite a cost. Listen, our redemption was not cheap. And if you're not thankful then you don't realize the cost of your redemption. Who hath redeemed us, he says, in whom we have redemption through his blood. Not only that, he says, even the what? The forgiveness of sins. How thankful we can be that every offense that we have ever committed against God has been wiped away. Do you ever look back in your life and remember friends or family who you offended or sinned against. He said, man, I wish I could go back and take back those words. Boy, I wish I could go back and take back that action. Boy, I wish I could go back and have not done that. You know what God has done? He has granted us the forgiveness of sins through his son, Jesus Christ. So when God looks at us, he does not see our faults. He does not see our offenses. He does not record them against us. He has wiped that clean. We are justified. We have the forgiveness of sins. What a blessing. Giving thanks. 
What do we give thanks? Well, <clears throat> there's so many scriptures, but Ephesians 1, 6, thanking God for other believers. In 2 Corinthians 8, 16, thanking God for his working in the lives of others. 1 Corinthians 15, 57, thanking God for the victory that we have in Christ. Psalm 136, over and over in this psalm, thanking God for his mercy. Psalm 107, verses 21 and 22, thanking the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works. Psalm 30, in verse 4, David was thanking God for his holiness. Do you ever thank God for his holiness? Do you thank God for his attributes, for who he is? Of course, Philippians 4, verse 6, says that when we pray, that we are to make our requests known with thanksgiving. Now, usually when we teach our kids to say thank you, we teach them to say thank you as a response to that which has been offered or that which has been given. But we're to pray in faith. And we say thanks when we ask. Think about that. He says, be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. We as believers can make our requests with thanksgiving. We have to wait till the prayer is answered to say thank you to the Lord. We are to offer our prayers with thanksgiving. Think about that. Colossians 4 verse 2 tells us to continue in prayer with thanksgiving. Colossians 2, 7, walking in Christ with thanksgiving. And then, of course, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, and Paul is uh, speaking there, and he tells Timothy to um, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3 and 4. Now, this is an interesting verse, but it has to do with thanksgiving. He's talking about false teachers that would come in forbidding to marry, commanding to abstain from meats, which God has created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. So when you eat, how are you to eat? We're to eat with thanksgiving. It says, for it is sanctified. Well, he says, verse 4, for every creature of God is good. Nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving. Do you eat with thanksgiving? Okay. We're to be thankful. What is, what is thankfulness? What is thankfulness? Really, it's, it, it is a statement of humility. Do you realize what, you know, when, saying, when you say thank you, it is a statement that reflects humility. It ought to. Some people today say thank you flippantly, but... Thank, true thankfulness reflects humility. <clears throat> it's an acknowledgement of gratitude and appreciation for something undeserved. It's for something undeserved. True thankfulness reflects humility. When we are given something, when someone does something for us, we acknowledge what? The grace of the giver. The person who does something for us, we're acknowledging their grace in doing what, whether they said something kind, whether they did something, whether they gave you something, they, but you're acknowledging their grace as a giver. And so true thankfulness reflects humility. When the giver gives you something, it's not that you deserve it, it is a grace. 
when God in His grace grants us salvation, when God in His grace gives us this beautiful world in which to live, when God in His grace provides us with all the necessities of life, what do we say? We are undeserving. Thank you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your gift. The giving of a gift or a benefit renders the recipient a debtor. If I didn't deserve it, wow, I'm indebted to to an extent. One way of reimbursing that debt, so to speak, is by acknowledging, again, the grace of the giver, being thankful, showing gratitude. David in Psalm 116, verses 12 and 13, there he is speaking of the salvation of the Lord. He says, What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? How can I repay him? I can't. There's no way we can repay God for all his benefits. He says, What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. Verse 17, I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call upon the name of the Lord. Thanksgiving. Now, obviously, it doesn't mean that every gift or benefit that is given should be paid back or recompensed in kind. But the, the, the least response would be an acknowledgement of gratitude and appreciation in showing thanksgiving. When we're given a gift, when we are shown grace, we reflect humility because when we say thank you, we recognize that we are not worthy. It's not something that we deserved or earned. It's not that we are worthy. And so again, here, there's this thanksgiving. Thanksgiving actually reflects humility. And that's what, you know, isn't it rude? Isn't it rude when you watch a child who's given something and he just runs off with his toy, he runs off with his gift, not taking even the briefest of moments just to say thank you? It's like, oh, that was just unseemly. And this is why we teach our children, say thank you. It's manners. It's just simple manners and deportment, good deportment, good manners. I mean, even the world knows that. How much more should it be we as believers? Turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 6. This is such a powerful story. Luke chapter 6. Sorry, I mean Luke 17. Luke chapter 17. Here in Luke chapter 17 is the story of Jesus and... He was going to Jerusalem, verse 11. He passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. It says in verse 12, And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And, of course, that would have been the case because lepers were not allowed to be around people. Leprosy was a very contagious disease. People were very afraid of it. (coughs) 
They would take lepers and put them in their own colony, keep them out of the city, away from people because of the contagious nature of the disease and the fact that there was no known cure. It was a, I believe still is, a flesh-eating bacteria that just destroys the body over time and is uh, very, very painful. But here were these 10 men, all had leprosy. They all had, were in the same condition. They were condemned. They had a, a fatal disease that was going to destroy them. And they stood afar off. In verse 13, they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. They were healed. Now, why did Jesus say, go show yourselves to the priests? Well, if you read in the Old Testament, when someone had leprosy, if they recovered from it, they were supposed to go show themselves to the priests. The priests were supposed to take a look at them. And then there was a process by which they could re-enter society if they truly had been healed of leprosy. But the priest was kind of the doctor, so to speak. He took a look and examined the skin, make sure it was healed and not you know, still in a contagious state. So here Jesus is commanding them to go ahead and um, act as the law had prescribed. And of course, he tells them to do that before they were healed. But all ten of them, obeying what the Lord said, turned and they were taking their trip, walking to wherever the high priest was, to the, the temple. It says, as they went, they were cleansed. And verse 15 says, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, were there not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? There are not found that returned to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And that's the end of the story. This is not a parable. This is a true story. This actually happened. There were ten men who were lepers who cried out to the Lord for mercy, asking him to be merciful to them. They didn't deserve it. They didn't deserve to be healed, but they were making this request. And what did Jesus do? He always healed those who came to him. There was not one he did not heal. And Jesus, in his grace and his kindness, heals them. They're, they turn to walk away. And as they walk away, each of them looks at their hands, at their flesh, and they realize that something marvelous has taken place. Their prayers have been answered. Their dreams have come true. They've been given a new lease on life. They can go back and be in society. They can go back and be reunited, reunited with their wives, with their children, with their families. They're restored. They're healed. And only one turned around to come and to give thanks. That is a heart-wrenching story. 
one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and came and fell down at Jesus' feet and gave him thanks. <coughs> and to top it all off, as if that weren't enough, he adds here, and he was a Samaritan. And of course, we know the conflict there between the Samaritans and the Jews. They would have no dealings with each other. Jesus was a Jew. Jesus had graciously reached out and healed a Samaritan. He knew who he was healing. But that Samaritan came back and he didn't care about any of the cultural differences, all the, the bigotry and the you know, generational strife. He came back to Jesus realizing who he was and who Jesus was and fell at his feet worshiping him and thanked him for healing him. And what did Jesus say? He says exactly what we would have said. Hey, I healed 10 of you. Is there no one else going to come back and give thanks? What gross ingratitude. At worst and at best, what self-centered neglect. Were there not ten cleansed? Yes, there were. Where are the others? Where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this one who is not even a Jew. He's a stranger. He said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. What a, what, what, a, what a story. Here he is, <clears throat> and he thanks the Lord. He realized he was helpless. Listen, thankful people are people who are humble. Thankful people who are, are people who realize their shortcomings and who are grateful for the grace that is shown to them by other people. Remember Luke 18? Very next chapter, Jesus gives a parable in verse 9. <clears throat> it says, And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. That is the description right there. He is speaking this parable to people like this. What kind of people are these? Well, it says that they trusted in themselves that they were righteous and they despised others. So they had a high opinion of self and a low opinion of everybody else. We have a word for that. It's called pride. Yes, indeed. They thought they were pretty special. But everybody else was lower than they were. And so Jesus is actually speaking to people that think that way. Can you believe that there's people on this earth that think that way? Unbelievable. <laughs> that anybody would ever think such a thing. <clears throat> yes. Aren't we all guilty of this? Isn't it easy for us to look at other people and to despise them? Or to look at their faults and think, oh, that is disgusting. What a creep. What are we doing when we do that? What are we, we're comparing ourselves with other people, which the Bible says if we do so, we are unwise. You see, the standard isn't other people. The standard is Christ. And when we compare ourselves to Christ... We stand on the same flat ground everybody else does. We are all equally measurable. 
But Jesus is going to make a point here. And so he speaks to these kind of people. So if you're not one of these people, he's not talking to you. Huh. This is for every one of us. Because we have this sinful tendency. Unfortunately, I hate to admit it, but I do. And, well, two men went to the temple to pray. The one a Pharisee and the other a publican. Now, a publican is not like some kind of a precursor to the Republican Party. (laughs) Okay, anyway, the publican was a tax collector. It was a Jew who went around and collected taxes from other Jews for Rome. So he generally wasn't. He was like an IRS agent that worked for, you know, China. <laughs> Maybe we put it in those terms today, but here's, he's despised. He was a Jew, he was a fellow Jew. Yes, another son of Abraham, but he's collecting taxes for Rome, the enemy. And so the publicans were just generally, they were looked down on, especially by the Pharisees. The Pharisees had a lot to give. The publicans had a lot of the Pharisees' money to take, and it just didn't feel good. So these two men went up to the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. And you just can't read this in a normal tone. He had to say it like the Pharisee. This is what he said. God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are. Extortioners, unjust adulterers, or even as this Publican. Oh. You just you just sense the 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 drama here and the, the attitude of the Pharisee. He goes on and he really wants to, God to remember how wonderful he is. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. Whew. Well, and the publican, here's the other side. The publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus then gives the, the moral of the story. In verse 14, Jesus says, I tell you, this man, the publican, went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. So the story there, obviously, quite a contrast between the Pharisee and the publican, or between those who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. There's no humility in that type of a person. And did you notice the false thanksgiving? What was the Pharisee thanking God for? He said, I thank you that I am. So he was not thanking God for anything. What he was doing was justifying himself and comparing himself to someone he thought was of a lower status. But the other, of course, the publican, humbled himself and went home righteous in the sight of God. Ingratitude. Ingratitude reveals pride. Ingratitude is the attitude that says, I deserve the benefit. 
I am worthy of the benefit. Here's the Pharisee God. You must like me for who I am. I'm pretty something pretty special. You must be proud to have me on your team. <laughs> Ingratitude reveals pride. It says, I deserve the benefit. I am worthy of the benefit. I deserve better. In fact, what you gave me, you probably should have given me something even newer. <laughs> but I'll take it anyway. And no thanks giving. The leper is a great... The returning leper was a great example of giving thanks. As believers, we are continually instructed by the Word of God to give thanks. We looked at and read Psalm 100. Psalm 95.2 really gives the same, the same message, that when we come into the courts of the Lord, when we come into His presence, how are we to come? With thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. Of course, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, we looked at earlier, it says that we are to be thankful in everything. Our prayers are to be accompanied with thanksgiving. Our sanctification and our growth is to be accompanied by abundant thanksgiving. In Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. Now, thanksgiving reveals humility. Why should believers abound in thanksgiving? Why would believers abound in thanksgiving? Well, we realize that we have need. We realize who we are. In John 15 and verse 5, Jesus, there speaking about the vine and the branches, comes to this conclusion. He says, without me, you can do nothing. Kids would say it this way, without me, you can't do nothing. Okay, but without me, you can do no thing, nothing. We're helpless. We're in need. We have nothing that we have not been given. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, Paul makes that quite a startling remark and how true it is. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7, Who maketh thee to differ from another? And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? Now, if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory as if thou hadst not received it? What do you have that you weren't given? You ever think about that? That's what, this, that's what the scriptures tell us. What hast thou that thou didst not receive? Didst not receive? You ever watch kids? fight over toys. And what do they say? That's mine. Right? That's mine. And you don't, by the way, you, you don't, don't, don't try to teach this to a two-year-old. It's going to go right over their heads. Just give them the spanking that they need and then go on. But keep teaching them. They'll get it over time. Okay? That's mine. Well, Mr. Two-year-old, where'd you get it? Well, see, I says like you can't. This is this is logic that goes right over the two-year-old's head, but they'll understand over time. You, you got to deal with them. But where'd you get it? Oh, well, I got it for my birthday. It's mine. Well, who gave it to you? I don't remember. It's mine. Well, let me uh, refresh your memory. Grandma gave that to you. Oh yeah. Or dad and mom gave that to you. Oh yeah. 
What do you have that you haven't received? I'll never forget. There's little moments in life that you never forget, and they're always good, good things to remember. But I remember as a teenager, I think I was probably about 16. I was driving at the time, and something had happened, and I was... I was just kind of frustrated, and I was just being silly. And I wasn't, I wasn't saying it in anger, but I said, well, I guess I'll just, I'll just leave and take my stuff and go with me. Dad said, go ahead. You can take anything that's yours. And I thought, okay. He goes, what are you going to take? I said, well, the truck. He goes, that's my truck. Oh, yeah, that's right. You bought it. Um, and then I started to think about all the things that I had and realized that all those things were given to me. I said, I think I'll stick around, Dad. <laughs> and we had a good laugh. I mean, it was, we were, I was kind of joking. But he was making the point to me. He goes, what do you think is yours? Okay. Where'd it come from? He said, well, I earned that by my hard work. I went out there and worked for that, and it's mine. And well, Where'd you get the energy to work? Where'd you get the ability to do the skill that you have? Where did you get the mind to comprehend the necessary things to do what you did that put food on your table? Listen, folks, without him, we can do nothing. Okay? What do you have that you haven't received? What does the Bible say? Freely you've received. What's the next half? Freely give. Freely you've received. Freely give. I've been thinking about that, that over the last several weeks. You know what? It's kind of, it's, it's, it's kind of funny because, you know, we, we tend to want to hang on to things. We tend to want to accumulate. And the longer we live, the more we accumulate. Kind of like dust. Just keeps settling. It's thicker and thicker, right? <laughs> We've got kids cleaning out closets. We're doing some cleaning. And I know it's not spring, but we need to do spring cleaning like all the time around our place. But... There's stuff coming in his closet, and I'm like, oh, where did that come from? We haven't seen that for years. Can we get rid of it? Oh, but that's my... I said, let's get rid of it. <laughs> and how, where did we get all this stuff? You know what? Most of it was given. Most of it was given. I did. I will allow my son, though, to keep the first toy he was ever given. I don't know what he's going to do with that little squeaking dog toy. But anyway, but you know, freely you've received, freely give. Listen, when, when we're truly thankful and we realize where everything is really coming from, we're a lot less likely to grab onto it and try to hold onto it for ourselves. I mean, it, it, we listen, this is the way we are. We, we start out with nothing, and we start accumulating things. And then guess what we think? We need to hang on to all those things, because now we've got them, Right? But did not the one who provided them when we had nothing, can he not still provide us with what we will need in the future? I've got to hang on to this because I might need this. I might need that. I might need, you know, um, and, and we begin to hoard. And it's easy to do that. My dad, rest his soul, he would have me clean the garage out once in a while. That was my job, to clean the garage. Whenever I cleaned the garage, I always came across the same stuff that was still there. And the next year, still there. And the next year. And this stuff that we had forever that just never got used. And I was like, why don't we just throw this away? Well, see, now I'm in my dad's position, so I think a little differently. But um, I would look at this stuff and think, this is, and he says, now listen, if it's not broken, don't throw it away. 
So, being the good son, I didn't throw anything away that was broken. But I won't tell you that I didn't break some things just to be able to throw them away. <laughs> but, okay. The thing is, God provides for us. We're to be thankful. When we are thankful, we demonstrate humility and we're truly thankful because we are helpless and in need. Because we have nothing that we've not been given. What does a man have that he has not received? And we need to keep that attitude. Listen, that's a biblical principle. Listen, it's easy to give thanks when things go well. That's not complicated. But, when, but the believer is to give thanks in all things. How do we do that? Well, we remember where all, where all good things come from. What did James say? They come from the Father of lights, with whom is no variables, neither shadow of turning. When we understand the nature of God, we can give thanks in all things. Does God like you, or does God hate you? Well, God loves us. If we're His children, we know that He loves us. So all the things that God does in our lives is done out of what? Love. And if we'll remember that, and we remember the nature of God, and we can be thankful, we'd be thankful, as Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, in everything. We can give thanks in everything. Listen, we call him our Father. He's a loving Father. The Bible says he's a merciful Father. He's an understanding Father. He is all-wise. Of course, when we understand his purpose, what is his purpose for us? Do you know what God's purpose is for you, personally? So I'm not really sure. Well, if you don't know what God's purpose is for you, then you better open up your Bible and find out because it's written. It's very clear. If you understand what God's purpose is and that He is working to make you like His Son for His glory, well, that is something for which we can give thanks God is working in us to make us like His Son. He tells that in Romans, Romans 8, 28 and 29. He tells us that in Galatians 4, 19, 2 Corinthians 3, 18. Listen, it's throughout the Scripture. God is working in us to conform us to the image of His Son. In Ephesians 5, verse 25, there is, He talks about the believer. He's talking about presenting us to Himself faultless. Boy, that means with me, he's got a lot of work to do, yet. But he's going to present me faultless. God is working in us to bring glory to himself. You see, Romans 3.23 says, Romans 3.23 presents the problem. It says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But you know what God does for those who are his children? We don't come short, okay? We're going to stand before Him glor glorious, and He is going to make us glorious. We must understand that the methods He uses to accomplish His purpose are there for His ultimate glory. And what does God do? Well, He uses instruction. Are you thankful for His instruction? You know, the Word of God, 2 Timothy 3.16, it's profitable. It's profitable for our instruction. Okay? Not just instruction. Correction. God instructs us. God also corrects us. Are you thankful for correction? That's no fun. How fun is it to be corrected? 
Well, consider the consequence of not being corrected. You know, correction is good. Correction is very good. It points us and gets us back in the correct path. Rebuke, chastening, sometimes affliction. Trials. God uses all of these things in our lives to bring about His purpose. And if we believe that, we'll be thankful. You know, how many times, for those of you who grew up in homes where your father or your mother used corporal punishment and applied the rod of instruction to the seat of learning, how many times after receiving one of those disciplinary measures did you ever turn around and say, thanks, Mom, thanks, Dad, I needed that. Think about that. Now, usually you're hopping around because your skin is stinging for the next couple of minutes and you're a little bit upset that you got a spanking, but how should we respond to those things? Thank you. It was necessary. Okay, what did David say? Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I have followed your word. You know, when we know the character of our Heavenly Father and understand that everything He does is to accomplish His divine purpose in our lives, we can even be thankful for the methods He chooses to use because He is a good Father, an all-wise Father. He knows what He's doing, and it is because He loves us that He does these things. And for that, we must give thanks. It's easy to be thankful. Again, easy to be thankful when things are going well. But may we not only be thankful for bounty, but may we also be thankful for God's correction. Equally thankful. Are you thankful? It's always good for us to pause. Really to pause and think about being thankful. Um, And we shouldn't just do this at Thanksgiving time. But Thanksgiving time is a good time to do it. Just like any time. But I want to encourage you in thanksgiving. Be thankful. Show gratitude. First of all, obviously to the Lord. And we've looked at those scriptures. But not just to the Lord. We ought to be showing gratitude towards one another. We need to be thankful. You know, God has placed each one of us in each other's lives for a purpose. And we can be thankful. Let us be careful that we don't become like the Pharisee who thinks a lot of himself and looks down his nose at everyone else. That is harmful. It is not God-honoring, and it's definitely not an attitude of humility. Humble. Humble people are thankful people. Humble people are generous people. Thankful people are generous people because of these principles. And we realize who we are, what we've got, who it came from, what we deserve, Hey, you can't be anything but thankful and grateful. And listen, if you you become unthankful or if gratitude fails in your life, you're in big trouble. I think it was was a quote by Bob Jones Sr. What did he say? When gratitude dies on the altar of a man's heart, that man is nigh well hopeless. It's a pretty good statement. Listen, let us be grateful. Let us be thankful. And let us express that, not just to the Lord, but we ought to express that to one another. 
Listen, are you thankful for the, thankful your family, thankful your brothers and sisters, your spouse, your relatives, thankful for your brothers and sisters in Christ? Listen, this is for me too. We need to let each other know. We need to let each other know. There's a lot we can be thankful for. So may our attitude be one of humility and may it be demonstrated even through the fruit of our lips, giving thanks unto the Lord. Let's pray. Father, how important it is for us to be grateful, to be thankful. And Lord, may we, <clears throat> may we recognize the connection there between thanksgiving and humility. Lord, if we are humble people, we will be grateful. For Lord, we deserve far worse. Lord, without you, we can do nothing. So may we return thanks. May we be thankful in everything. Lord, may we give thanks continually to your name. Lord, may we not forget. May we not be forgetful. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.